I want you, if you have your Bibles, to go to James chapter 1 this morning. We're going to continue our series on the plumb line. How many of you were here last week? Oh, we got a brand new crowd here this morning. Oh, y'all were raising your hands. I thought you'd respond. I was looking down here trying to get set. I said, how many of you were here last week for part one? Amen. I know this is not going to be an easy series. It's not going to be easy for me to preach. It's not going to be easy for you to hear. Uh, but the Bible said in Amos that in the latter days there would be a famine of the word of the Lord. And I pray that there will be no famine of the word of the Lord in this house. And I will do my best to make sure that does not happen. And so I want you to go to James chapter 1 verse 26. We're going to continue our series on the plumb line this morning. Here's what the word says. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. The King James Version says worthless. Father, I pray that as we host your word this morning for the next moments, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would align our hearts with yours, and that, Lord, we would measure ourselves according to your plumb line. We give you thanks, and it's in Christ's name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Be seated. In fact, as you're being seated, I'm going to give you the title of my message that I want you to tell your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and tell him, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. How many of y'all ever said that to your kids? Don't be a liar in the room. Let God be true and everybody be. Said that, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. <laughs> Watch your mouth. You know, I've, um, I said something. I preached in Indiana Friday night at their camp meeting. And I said something while I was preaching that I've had to process for the last 24 hours that I've been home that I really had not sat down and thought about. I said in the, in the course of preaching, I have been preaching the gospel, the word of God, for 17 years. I preached my first message when I was 15 years old. And every year since then, I've been preaching. And as I've sat and processed this in light of what I'm going to talk to you about today, I have realized that I have watched the mouth of men assassinate the life of men. I, I have watched the mouth of man and the tongue of man lash upon other men and women and has assassinated their character, their integrity. And you know what I have found? I have found that many of the people who assassinate the character of others think that they are the most spiritual people on the planet. James just told us, if you think yourself to be religious but you can't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. I was quiet. It's going to be a fun, fun half hour to 40 minutes. Don't hold me to that. And, and here's, here's what we do because we, we think holiness is a game to God. We think righteousness is a game to God. So watch what we do. We categorize sin to make space for our lukewarmness. So we say things like, well, I don't fornicate, so I think I'm okay, but 
you gossip. Well, I, I'm not living a same-sex lifestyle, so I think I'm okay, but you have lust. Come on, it's, come on, y'all. Loosen up a little bit. Well, I, I, don't, I don't smoke and drink or... I think, you know, my dad used to say they had that saying, I don't smoke, drink, or run with those who do. I don't even know what it is. It's so old. If you know what it is, you're not old. <laughs> don't be offended. And, and, and I don't do any of that, but you don't honor your husband or your wife. Do you see what I'm saying? How we categorize sin. And, and the less a sin is, the more righteous we feel. That's works-based salvation. The fact of the matter is, my righteousness is as filthy rags. And I'm only righteous because of him, and he enables me to turn away from the works of the flesh by the Spirit. So today, if you haven't guessed it yet, we're going to talk about gossip. I have watched gossip tear churches apart. I have watched gossip split churches. I have seen gossip cause pastors to resign their churches. I have seen gossip tear apart marriages. And yet we consider gossip a sin that we can just graze over. Because it's not one of the big sins. And because it's done in secret. And the only people that know are the people that are involved in the conversation. We are so foolish. To believe that God doesn't hear every word we speak. And see every word we say. David said before a word is even formed on my tongue. You already know it. Before it comes out. Now I see some of y'all looking at me. Let me just come down here and stir the Kool-Aid for a minute. I see some of y'all looking at me saying. Well we were just in a magnificent time of worship in the presence. And we're going to come talk like this. Yes because that's the problem. We love to worship. With our mouth. But we don't worship with our life. Jesus said, if you love, what was the plumb line we talked about last week? The word and his character. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. All right, let's dive in. I'm going to preach anyways. Let's talk about gossip. Gossip defined is the spreading of secrets or rumors, usually for the purpose of slander. There are several names that are given to gossips in the scripture. The first is talebearer. A talebearer does three things. First, a talebearer reveals secrets. Proverbs eleven thirteen. The talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Can I help you understand something right off the rip? If they will gossip to you, they will gossip about you. If they are talking to you about somebody else, they will talk to somebody else about you. And if you are someone who constantly has people coming to you to gossip, that is not a mark of leadership or spiritual influence. That is a mark of enablement. Because they have found someone in you who will put up with and tolerate a gossip. They have found someone in you who will listen to them and not stand up to them in truth and ask them if what they're saying is, is true to the word of God. And a lot of times throughout the history of the church and Christianity, our gossip has been disguised as prayer requests. Guys, we just need to pray for Sister Nene. 
I heard she was going through this. And we just need to pray that God would help her. Without any real concern for Sister Nene. You just got information that's burning a hole in your mouth. A talebearer reveals secrets. Secondly, a talebearer causes wounds. The words of a talebearer, Proverbs 18, 8, are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. This word belly talks about the heart or the soul. It goes down into the deepest parts of who you are. How many of you in this room have ever been gossiped about? Throw your hand up. Now, don't answer this next one quickly. How many of you have ever gossiped? Don't raise your hand. Oh, y'all gonna raise your hands. Go ahead and be honest in here. I was trying to say, go ahead and be honest. The Lord will help you. You ever gossiped? I've been guilty. We're going to see in a minute that everybody in this room, nobody is impervious to the temptation of the tongue. Causes wounds. How many of you have ever been wounded by gossip? Been wounded by gossip. There are people that carry church hurt because of gossip. Because the words of a talebearer are wounds. Whoever came up with the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me as a liar and the truth is not in him. It's a fact. Words hurt. Words carry weight. I've tried trying to explain this to my children. None of them are in here today, so I'll tell on them. Yesterday I was driving home. Uh, I went and picked up my children and my niece and nephew. And we were driving home back to our house. And in the back seat, uh, Jocelyn and Gwen were sitting right next to each other. And I saw Jocelyn take her elbow and just plant it in Gwen's arm. And I, I said, Jocelyn, what, are you, what did she do? She said, well, she told me she wished I was never her sister. I said, and I, so I started talking to Gwen. And Gwen said, yeah, well, last night she said, I hope that I would fall down and hurt myself. And so I said, well, both then... Jocelyn, you don't just get to off and elbow her when you started it. You have this conversation while, while my sweet niece, my son, my nephew, they're just sitting there being quiet. And my daughters are getting ready to tear each other apart. And I had to help them understand, girls, your words have power. Your words carry weight. And so the, 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 the words of a talebearer cause wounds. Then, the, then a talebearer causes strife. Proverbs 26 and 20 says, Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceases. Where there is no gossip, there is no strife. <laughs> what a concept. If we could get it in the church, that if there was no gossip in the body of Christ, there'd be no strife in the body. Oh, There'd be no strife. So first, the word calls gossips talebearers. Secondly, the word calls gossips hypocrites. Proverbs 11 and 9, the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. Number three, the word calls gossips whisperers. Romans 1.29, I want you to listen to, to part of the list that Paul's about to give and then listen to what he includes. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers. 
The word whisperer here means one who habitually engages in gossip or one who gossips in whispered or hushed tones. I just told you I've been preaching the gospel for 17 years. I have been in and around ministry for 32 all my life. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I have seen church people huddled in a corner whispering about somebody else in the church. And mainly, most of the time, it's leadership that they're talking about. They don't agree with something or they don't like something or they heard something about somebody. So instead of doing what the Bible says and going to that person, they get in their little cliques. Oh, y'all don't like this. I can feel the resistance in the room because, okay, hold my tongue. The plumb line of the Lord is being dropped in his house to make sure that what he's building is he's built is being built right. They are whisperers in, in, in all of these things being filled with unrighteous sexual see, 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 we categorize sin. We read Romans 1 and we leave out they are whisperers because, oh, I'm not sexually immoral. I'm not covetous. I'm not malicious. I'm not, I don't envy. I certainly haven't murdered anyone, I hope. I, I, I'm not evil-minded, but you gossip. And it's in the same list with all the other things that Paul says are unrighteous. They are unrighteous. Gossip is usually for the purpose of slander. Slander means making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. You know what my prayer is after this message? I pray that the Holy Spirit convicts you in such a way that you have to go apologize to everybody you've gossiped about. I'll move on. Gossip comes from idleness. <laughs> I've seen this. I have experience. It's not always absolute, but I've seen it. People who generally do nothing generally have the most to say. Let me tell you something. I am too busy to gossip. I, not busy with stuff. I'm too busy doing the work of the Lord to have time to talk about a brother or a sister. People who have time to gossip are generally not being used of God to do anything great. You say, well, prove it. Okay, I will. 1 Timothy 5.13. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips in busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Busybodies, they look busy, but they're not busy doing anything besides causing division. Not only does gossip come from idleness, but it results in idle words. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, 36, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Think about this. I, that ought to convict you. It has convicted me. I'm not standing up here innocent of what I'm preaching to you this morning. I'm standing up here burdened, repentant before the Lord. That on the day of judgment, I'm going to give an account for every word that I've spoken. That ought to cause you to pause before you speak anything about a brother or a sister. So gossip then is a revealer of identity. 
I've got four or five things on gossip. We're going to hurry through them and we'll go home. First, gossip is a revealer of identity. The word says in Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Gossip tears down and buries a person through revealing secrets or talking about someone's character. Listen, someone who is secure in their identity doesn't need to bury someone in order to feel like they've accomplished something. The orphan mentality says, I've got to bury them in order to gain. There are people all over the, all over the world who have influence, who are standing on the graves of people whose character they have assassinated with their mouth. And they think God has elevated them when in reality they have elevated themselves. I told the, I told the youth in Indiana on Friday night, character is the linchpin for the altitude God will take you to. The gift that God has given you will take you to a high place. Character will determine how long you stay there. Integrity will determine how long you stay there. And, and so... They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Can I tell you what the Spirit will never lead you to do? The Spirit will never lead you to gossip about anyone. And if you are a gossip and if you are gossiping, you have disqualified yourself from being called a son and daughter of God. God has not disqualified you. God sent his son to shed his blood so you could be called the righteousness of God and that you could be called an heir of, Christ, heir of God in Christ Jesus. You have disqualified yourself. Because they that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And the Spirit will never lead me to talk about a brother or a sister. Not only... Have we disqualified ourselves from walking in sonship? We have aligned ourselves with the devil. Revelation 12 and 10 called him the accuser of the brethren. This means to make false accusations against. So if you are aligning yourself, if you are gossiping, you are aligning yourself with the accuser of the brethren. You say, Pastor, go deeper. Don't mind if I do. Watch this. Titus chapter 2 and verse 3. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior and not slanderers. Everybody say slander. Slander. Do you want, can, can we do a word study real quick? It, it's, I mean, it's super surface level word study. You can do it on Blue Letter Bible yourself. Look at what the word slanderers means. Look at the Greek word. Diabolos. What does that sound like to you? Diablo, the devil, Satan. It means devilish, malicious, or backbiting. So when I gossip or I slander, the word says that I am acting just like the devil. <laughs> I didn't write the Bible. I don't get to choose how to interpret the Bible. The Bible interprets itself. And it says of those who are slanderers that they are diabolos. They are like the devil. They act like the devil. And so 
Gossip reveals identity. If I feel like I've got to talk about my brother or my sister, that generally means I need to grab a mirror and look in it for myself. That there is something going on in me. I have an insecurity in me that feels like I've got to bury someone in order to get ahead. Y'all with me this morning? Number two, the second revealer, the second thing gossip reveals, gossip is a revealer of the heart. Gossip is a revealer of the heart. The word said in Luke 6.45, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. This word abundance, it means overflow or that which remains over. Uh, I'm going to give you a crumb for one of our next series we're getting ready to do. Hear me. If your heart is not right, nothing about your life will be right. We're going to talk about here in a few minutes, Proverbs 4, where the, where the writer of Proverbs says, keep your heart, for from it flows the issues or everything about your life. If your heart is not right, nothing about your life will be right. And if you want to do a heart check, look at the person next to you and tell them again, watch your mouth. Not just in the realm of gossip, but in the realm of your workplace. In the realm of how you speak to your husband or your wife. In the realm of how you talk about situations. If you want to do a heart check, watch your mouth. For from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here, we talked about it just a second ago, Proverbs 4, 23 and 24. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity and keep corrupt talk far from your lips. The word heart here in the Hebrew is translated to mean the inner man, the mind, the will, or the seat of emotions. How many of you understand that emotions can cause us to fall into the trap of gossip? Let's be real in the room. You get emotionally charged and you say things that you ought not say and you take part in things that you ought not take part in. So not only so, but our hearts can be hurt. How many of you ever had your heart hurt? And out of a hurt heart, you can justify saying hurtful things. Mm, but let me help you in the room this morning. Let me help you. Just because you can justify it doesn't mean it ceases to be sin. Just because you can justify, well, they talked about me, so I'm going to talk about them. Well, they did this, and God, I've been so hurt. My heart has been so wounded. My heart has been so torn. I deserve to gossip about them. It's still sin. And whether it's a big sin or a little sin, whatever you want to call it, it still separates us from the heart of God. And just because you could justify it doesn't mean it ceases to be sin. Can I also just, I'll put it in the next point. The heart, and, and so he said, guard your heart for from it flows everything. And then he immediately moves to what? The mouth. Keep your mouth from perversity. If you guard your heart, your mouth will stay free of perversity. Our minds will be, the, the word perversity here means crookedness. Then he says, put a watch over my lips. If this word watch means corruption. Uh, keep from corruption. It, it means that which deviates from what is right. 
Having a perverse and corrupt mouth which includes gossip is a sign that you have a heart problem. It's a sign that we have a heart problem. If we cannot keep our mouths from perverseness. The next thing that gossip reveals, gossip is a revealer of spiritual depth. I told you a moment ago in James 1.26, it's the whole verse that we're working from today. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue and deceives his own heart, that one's religion is useless. Sometimes it is the smallest things that reveal our spiritual depth. The tongue is small. Go read James 1, 2, and 3. It's all in there. The tongue is small. It, 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 it is, I looked it up yesterday. The average tongue weighs 70 grams. The average tongue is 9 centimeters long. That little thing tucked in your mouth, James said, is like hellfire. And that small little thing tucked in your mouth, although it is small, it's like a rudder on a ship. And it turns the ship wherever it goes. It's like putting a bridle in a horse's mouth. Wherever you turn it, the horse turns. And I, I get concerned because I have been around Pentecost and charismatic movements my entire life. I, I have been around the charismata, the gifts of the Spirit, the Pentecostal movement my entire life, and I get so concerned at the desire of people to do a good thing in prophecy and to do a good thing in speaking in tongues and to do a good thing in word of knowledge and wisdom and faith and healing, to do a good thing in being used of God, but their tongue, they have no self-control over their mouth. And it's like we just skip over this scripture that tells us that if we see, if we can do all of these things, but we cannot control our tongue, then all of these things are useless. Come on. How many times I've seen people in my life who minister and seen people in my life who have great gifts, but they cannot keep their mouth off the character of another person. And they assassinate them and they fillet them open and the church has just become okay with gossip because it's normal. God is not okay. He's not okay with slandering. And one of the lies that we have bought into is that if we discern it, we have to say it. Sometimes God will give you discernment so you can pray it. You don't need to tell everybody everything you discern. Sometimes God will give it to you for you to shut your mouth and pray. And seek the face of God. And James said in James 3.10, blessing and cursing come from the same mouth. It ought not so to be. He says, we put a bridle in James 3, 3 and 4. He said, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Your tongue can turn your whole life. Your tongue can turn your whole life. I am not here to tell you, I, let, me, let me just be really frank with you. 
manifesting is from the pits of hell. It is new age theology. And some of you are like, what is manifesting? It's where you sit down and you make manifestations. I'm going to walk into money. My husband is waiting on me. Trying to manifest with your mouth. You know what that is? It is a counterfeit to God's way of manifesting. Do you want to know what God's way of manifesting is? Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You get up every morning and you're not declaring something that is new age theology and doctrine. You wake up in the morning and you declare the word of God. The word of God says that I am blessed. The word of God says that I am favored. The word of God says that he shall provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Whether I am rich or whether I am poor. The word of God says your tongue can determine your life. Proverbs chapter 21, 23 said, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Here's some points about the tongue. Number one, the tongue affects all of us. James chapter 3 and verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. (laughs) How many of you in this room have stumbled in word? Throw your hand up. Let's just be honest. There's freedom and honesty. I've stumbled in word. I'm, none of us are perfect men or women. The tongue affects us all. The tongue affects us all. Everybody in this room, nobody is exempt from struggling with the tongue. The tongue is also a weapon. It's a weapon, number one, of the enemy. Jeremiah 18, 18, come let us attack him with the tongue. Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword. It's also a weapon of the Lord. Proverbs 15, 4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life. And it is also a weapon of death and life. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We love that part, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Read the rest. They that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Know this, what you say, you will eat. If you gossip about somebody, somebody is going to gossip about you, and you are going to experience the wounds that come from a tailbearer. But if you speak life, and you lift up a brother or a sister. See, here's our issue. Our words are often for retaliation. God wants our words to be for redemption. God wants our words to be for reconciliation. When somebody comes to you and says, did you hear what brother so-and-so did? No, I didn't hear that, but let's pray for him. I I don't know what he's going through, but let's pray for him. Let's ask God to lift him up. Let's Let's ask God to touch him. And all of a sudden, you turn a, a, a moment that could be for retaliation or a moment that could be for tearing down, and you turn it into a redemptive moment. You, are you with me? You turn it into a redemptive moment. So gossip, then, is an attack against the bride of Christ. Gossip, everybody say this with me. Say, gossip divides. Gossip divides. You know, one of the things my wife and I set out to do when we got married, and we have done that, we've done this. 
When we got married, we told each other, when we're mad at one another, we will never go to our parents. We won't go to our brothers or our sisters. Because here's the deal. I'm going to forgive her. I'm going to love her. But now my parents' view of her is skewed. Her parents' view of me would be skewed. So when you gossip, what you're doing is, is you're saying, I want you to pick my side. We're so competitive that we want to pick sides. The question of the scripture is not who was on our side, it's who's on the Lord's side. And the reality is her parents are always going to pick her side. And my parents are always going to pick my side. And my brothers and her sisters are always going to pick her side. My brothers are going to normally would pick my side. And now you have created division that can be irreparable. Come on, y'all with me? Created division that can be irreparable. And now you think about it in terms of the body of Christ and the lack of spiritual maturity that we see that people who sit on the pews will talk about leaders and will talk about other peoples in the pews and not realize that God has ordained the body of Christ to be united. And when you gossip, you are picking the side of the devil. The, the word said that. I'm not, that's not my opinion. That's what the word said. God hates division. God hates division. But he loves unity. Psalm 133 and 1, how good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell together in unity. I can't tell you how many times growing up in my life with two brothers, I heard that out of the mouth of my father. I'm sick of it. But now that I've got my own kids, God, would you guys just stop bickering at each other? You don't know, I, I, no, you do know, those of you that have raised toddlers, you go to that room, you go to that room. And normally it's not to just separate them, it's so that we can have peace in the house. How good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell together in unity. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you all. Strive for full restoration. You know what I have found in my life? You can either be right or you can be reconciled, but you can't be both. You can either be right about a situation or you can be reconciled with a brother Listen to me, according to the word, God would rather you be reconciled than be right. Hebrews 12, 14, Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews said, strive for peace with all men. In Ephesians, he said, as so much as it has to do with you, keep the unity of the bond of peace. Now, you, you, then the word said, blessed are the peacemakers. So, so people say, well, what, what do I do if I know that somebody has ought against me? Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. So if you know someone has an ought against you, you pick yourself up, you march yourself in their direction, and you say, I feel like there's something between us, and I want to make it right. I don't know what I've done, I don't know what I did to make you feel a certain way toward me, but it's not right that we're divided. 
It is not right that we're not in unity. And you know what you do? You make peace. The problem is we are one of two things. We are biblically illiterate and we are conflict adverse. The Bible said that if you have an ought with your brother, that you are to go to them. And if they will not receive you, take another with you. And then, then if they will not receive you, then bring them before the church. And, and the church and church discipline will begin to act. Here's what we do normally. We run to the church before we ever talk to the person we have an odd against. I've told people, as long as I've been pastoring since 2017, and even when we were youth pastoring, I would tell the youth and I tell people all the time, if you haven't talked to them, don't come to me. You say, wow, isn't that your job? Uh, yeah, kind of, but it's your job to obey the word. Because if you can't obey the word, nothing I say is going to matter to you. And, and what I'm going to tell you is, go talk to them. And after you've talked to them, and they won't listen, grab somebody, go to them again. I don't want to see you again if you haven't followed those two steps. You say, well, pastor, that's kind of harsh. That's the word. That's, that's church discipline. And Paul said, strive for full restoration. Strive for full reconciliation. How do you do that? You forgive one another your oughts. You stay away from gossip. And you follow the word of the Lord. If you're with me, say, I'm there. Then lastly, how do we avoid gossip? Psalm 141 and 3, they could come help me play. Psalm 141 and 3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing. This word set a guard, this word guard means a watchman or a person who watches and warns of danger. The word watch means protection. So how do you avoid gossip? You ask the Holy Spirit to be your watchman. Holy Spirit. David said, not a word has formed on my tongue that you don't already know. So you ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, because you know what I'm going to say, set a watch over my lips. And before I say it, convict me of what I'm going to say. Number two, the second way to avoid gossip is not to associate yourselves with habitual gossips. You say, okay, show me that, I will. Proverbs 20, 19. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. The Bible tells us, Paul writing to the church, tells us to mark those who cause division. To keep our eye on those who cause division. Because unity is so vital to the church and to the heart of God. But then, then here, here's just the, the most practical way I can give you to avoid gossip. It's so easy. Are you ready? So easy but so hard. 
choose not to do it. Make a choice. Proverbs 8 and 7, this is what the Proverbs said. My mouth will speak truth. My mouth will speak truth. You say, Pastor, I, I came today, we were in worship, the Holy Spirit was present, and He's still present right now. His word is sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a thought. He, he, it, it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And gossip is such a refuse against the heart of God. Can I tell you something? People who are religious repent for breaking rules. But people who are of the heart of God repent for breaking his heart. And, and his heart, as he looks at the American church, I believe it is burdened. Because what I've talked to you about has become normal today. I have felt the whole time I've been preaching the resistance in the room. I can feel it now. God did not call me to just preach flattering, rosy things. If we are going to go to the heights and the depths that God has ordained the potter's house to go, we are going to go God's way or we're not going to go at all. You... I know you're clapping. Clap for the corporate body. But you have to choose. I'm going God's way. Or I'm not going at all. Don't, don't you be surprised. That because I've preached like this this morning. That this week you are tempted in the area of gossip. Don't be surprised. And you choose. My mouth will speak truth. I'm going to use this situation and I'm going to turn it from retaliatory into redemptive. And if it's somebody you've got a relationship with, if it's somebody that you have influence over and they come and gossip to you, and stop, start gossiping about somebody, you know what you say? Stop. I love you too much to let you do this. I love you too much to let you fall into this trap and I love the Lord too much to put myself in this trap let's pray for whoever you were going to talk about let's just join hands right now let's pray for them let's intercede for them and ask God to help them ask God to touch them ask God to reveal the way of redemption in whatever situation you were getting ready to talk to me about stand on your feet all over the room You know, the, uh, the thinker Socrates, there's a story about him. One of his students came to him in a hurry one day. And they said, did you, uh, Socrates, I've got to tell you something about this person. And Socrates said, okay, but I'm going to ask you some questions before you tell me. He said, is what you're about to tell me true? And the student said, well, I don't, I don't know if it's true. Okay. 
So you're getting ready to tell me something that you're not sure has truth in it. Is what you're getting ready to tell me harmful to the person you're going to tell me about it? Yeah, oh, it's so bad. So you're getting ready to tell me something that we don't know is true and is harmful to someone else. Let me ask you a third question. Is it useful for me to know? No, it's, no, no, no. It's probably going to ruin your day. And that's Socrates who said that, but the Bible said, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Lift your hands all over the room. I'm going to pray over you.